Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue our series on 1 John. We've been studying the book of the, the of Bible this summer as we believe that it's just so important for us to dig into God's word and discover those deeper truths, to be able to have that, the word inside of us for ourselves and to be able to run to his truth and not the world's way. And it's just so important for us to be able to get the Bible in ourselves, to read it ourselves. Joe gave an absolutely disgusting illustration last week that it worked because it stuck in my head about it, that he would never chew up, yeah, you'd never chew up food and then spit it in someone else's mouth. Um, I'm thankful that we have a youth pastor that's not going to do that. Um, but uh, I had to tell him no, that he can't do that, that that's inappropriate. Um, but, but he was using that to describe that when, when we're just uh, listening to a pastor is great. It's fine. It's, it's good. I listen to pastors too and am edified through other teaching. But there's just nothing like reading God's word for ourselves, to be able to get it firsthand, to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us when we're reading that. And that if we just rely on these other sources, it kind of is like that dis disgusting analogy of someone uh, chewing up their own food and then spitting it into your mouth. And, and um, you guys are like, I'm not going to church anymore if that's what the pastor does. That's kind of weird. Um, but it is. It's just so important for us to be able to get it for ourselves. Uh, so I just want to recap here real quick of what, where we've been in this series. Week one, we talked a lot about the credibility of God's word, that God's word can be trusted. It's proven. It's accurate. It's the most incredible book on the face of the earth. There's no other book like it. And if you missed that week, you can always go on Crosspoint Whitewater on YouTube. Type that in on YouTube, and then it'll pull up those uh, messages that, that you maybe have missed. You can subscribe, so then it'll, it'll come up right away for you when you go there. Uh, the second week, we talked about the end times a little bit, that John gives us uh, this warning for believers to make sure that we're focused and ready for the return of Jesus. And then last week, Joe talked about how the truth will set us free from the bondage of sin and how our, our, our identity is no longer uh, sinners. We're, we're identified as being saints now. And that although we may mess up, we may sin, that's not our identity. That we, the Bible describes in 1 John that we have an advocate now, Jesus, and he makes intercession for us, that he's the one that covered us by his blood and removed the sin as far as the east is from the west. And so that's no longer our identity as sinners, our identity as the saints, the sons and daughters of the Most High God, which is pretty awesome stuff. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what John loved to talk about. If you read the, the Gospel of John or the Epistles of John, you will see that John loved this one topic that he hits over and over and over. And maybe you've been here and you're like, man, I've never been in a First John series like this that hasn't brought up this topic yet. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we got in these other ones before we really hit, I believe this is the climax of the series. It's the most important one, and that is God's love for us. It's God's love for us and, and his desire for us to use his love to love other people. Before we get into 1 John chapter 4, I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4's twin. And that would be in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul talks about love and he gives the definition of love. And even if you don't read your Bible or you haven't grown up in church, you know this because you've probably been at a wedding that read from 1 Corinthians. It's the love chapter. Love is patient and kind. Uh, love is not boastful or rude or proud. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It endures all, believes all, hopes all. That definition of God's love is in 1 Corinthians 13. And the Apostle Paul ends this chapter by saying this. But before I read this, I want to let you guys know that the Corinthians were a very civilized 
uh, people. Probably the, the most civilized, most advanced, most wealthy uh, civilization on the, on the face of the planet at the time. And these people were smart. They were intellectuals. And so Paul, you, as you read his writing, you can tell he's trying to gain credibility with them and trying to break through that intellectual barrier that can sometimes be there. And he ends this like this, which is obviously God-inspired. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, three things will last forever. So in the midst of all the topics, all the things we could talk about, all the things that are really important, there's three that last forever. He made it really simple for us. God did. And here they are. You guys ready? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what, church? Love. love. And the greatest of these is what, church? Love. love. He made it really simple. These are the three things that are going to last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The message here this morning is probably maybe the most important message you'll hear all year. It is the greatest message. And we're going to talk about other things, and that's good. But this is, this is a really, really important one. And I want to be able to illustrate it here this morning by asking Orson and his wife, Alicia, to come on up here. Is your wife? Oh, there she is. All right. And um, I need Amy to come on up here, too. Come on up here, Amy. Yep, this is spontaneous. Last minute. You don't know what's going on. All right, so come on up here. And, um, and so first I want to start off that Amy is now uh, Faith, and so she's going to stand in third place over here. I mean, she still made the podium right there. There we go. So she's no longer Amy. She is Faith, all right? So call her Faith from now on. And, and um, don't tell your friends about this. They won't come to church. They'll think you joined a cult, all right? But she's Faith. And then we got a Hope next. So go ahead and stand up there. And this is Hope. She, Alicia is now Hope. And Hope is really important because the Bible talks about that in, in, in Romans, that hope does not disappoint. God's hope does not disappoint. It's very important for us to live our lives with hope. You lose hope and, all, and things start unraveling, don't they? Faith talks about how uh, it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is extremely important also. Uh, faith is where we believe God for the miraculous. It's, we can't have, uh, see the miraculous, the signs, wonders, healings, and miracles without faith working, God's faith working in our lives in a powerful way. Amen? And so these two are just really, really important, faith and hope. But the Bible describes that, that love, Orson, you are now love. Look at that. I remember you saying that we didn't have to do anything. Um, I lied, <laughs> which is also in the Bible, but that's a different topic here. So go ahead and stand up there, Orson. I don't feel comfortable with this. All right, you're going to have to hold your wife's hand there. See, there you go. See, Orson, he, he embodies love. And my point that I want to make here is that love just stands a little higher than the rest, right? Orson, what do you, how, how tall are you? He's 6'4". How tall are you? 5'4". Five, 5'4". Five, all right. Good foot difference. All right. Orson's going to, you know, hurt his back by being able to kiss his wife. All right. And how tall are you, Amy? 5'2". 5'2". This is perfect. Man, that is God-ordained right there. 5'2", 5'4", five, 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 and 6'4". All right. This is the perfect illustration of faith, hope, and love. Can we put our hands together for these guys here this morning? You guys can go ahead and go back to your seat. These things that we talk about at church, faith and hope, they're really important. But what I'm sharing with you here this morning is the most important. It's love. And the reason why is that God said it is the greatest. See, in God's kingdom, love stands above the rest. It's a little bit taller than everything else. When we one day experience the, the perfectness of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, that's coming, by the way. And we talked about that in week two or three, I think two. Uh, love is going to be what's going to rule, church. It's going to be love. It is his kingdom. 
And this is why God is so passionate about us understanding his love for us, but also his desire for us to use that same love for one another. See, 1 Corinthians 13, church, defines love. It gives us the definition, what I just said, you know, love is patient and kind, all of that. But 1 John 4, 1 John 3 and 4 describe the, the action of love, what it looks like, how to be able to live it out. And it's, it's good to be able to know the definition of love. It's even better to be able to live it out, right? Amen? And this is what we're after here this morning. 1 John 3, 18, John says this, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the love by our actions. Doesn't it seem like we live in a world that's a lot of talk and no action when it comes to this? It's really easy to be, and this is um, what I'm realizing more and more, and I'm guilty of this too, so don't feel bad after I use this illustration, is that I'll say this, I love that person, but... and you go through all the things why you don't love them, why you don't like them, why you don't want to be around them. It seems like that we, we live in just the, a time and a culture where we'll say, I love them, but we'll follow it up with a whole bunch of things of why we don't like them or why we don't like, want to be around them and why we don't want to love them. And so we, we try to convince ourselves by saying it that we love them, but our actions prove otherwise. And this is what John starts hitting on, of don't deceive yourself. Don't just say that you love one another. Don't just say that you love that people group. Don't just say that you love um, people that are different than you or think different, act different, live different. Don't just say it. Really live it. You guys, I feel like you're locked in this morning. You know exactly where I'm going here. And this is what I love about this church. See, I think that everyone in this room knows that we should love. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, Even if you uh, grew up outside the church, I mean, this is a a universal thing that people are constantly saying, love each other, love each other, love each other. But here's the thing. If we all know that we should love each other, then why don't we? Why don't we? Well, I have a few uh, observations that I've experienced for myself and that the reason why I don't believe we love each other, and this, the first two are pretty uh, innocent, and the next two are a little bit more in-depth. But the first one is we don't even realize we aren't loving. Husbands are like, amen to that. Oh, man, I thought I was doing really good. And then she's like, I don't feel loved. You know, I mean, have you ever had that in a relationship where you thought you were doing a really good job at loving someone, and then they kind of came back and were like, no, you're actually doing a horrible job. You make me feel horrible. You know, has anybody ever experienced that? I and mean, just, let's, okay. All right, uh, a few people here. Yeah, here it is. Whenever I ask those kind of questions, it's always like right here. When I'm like, how many of you guys love Jesus? Yeah! How many of you guys have sinned? It's like right here. But it's one of, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we can, we don't even realize that we're not being loving. We're not intentionally trying to be mean or harsh, but we're just missing the mark. The second one is we don't know how. That we just maybe haven't had the, the examples in our life, that we've had bad examples in our life of what love looks like. And, and so we've never had someone to really follow or follow the example of them. Maybe we grew up in a dysfunctional home, an unloving home. And this is everything that Barb Sanders, she, she didn't tell me what she was going to talk about. This is, <laughs> I can't believe how these blend together, this message um, and what she just shared. But when you grow up in a home that's filled with dysfunction and hurt and pain, it's really hard to be able to know what love looks like. And this is the story with Barb, is that once she got around other examples, that small group where they started talking about and, and desiring the same thing to love each other well, that's when it started to change. Here's the third one, is that we lack love for ourselves, which prevent us from loving others. 
That one's kind of deep. I'm realizing this more and more. If we, if we can't come to the place where we realize that we are so loved by God, and just because we're a human being, and that's a sacred thing for God, that he created us, he designed us, and when we start loving ourselves, not this egotistical love. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking this, that we appreciate how God made us and designed us and that we're his child and our identity's in him and, and he's so fond of us. Once we realize that and we start loving ourselves because we understand that, then now all of a sudden that love can flow out of us and we can start loving people with that same thing. But if not, we just kind of get consumed with ourselves, and we become very inward and we're not able to have anything flow out of us. And so that we, we then miss the mark on loving people because we just don't love who we are. We, 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 don't, we, we hate ourselves in some cases. We don't, we don't think highly of ourselves in a good way. And then here's the last one, is that we have hurt or offenses. We have hurt or offenses that keep us from loving people. This one was made real to me uh, many years ago. I was a pretty new Christian and um, I, had, I had this offense, this hurt towards this person. And um, I, didn't, I don't think I really realized it, and I justified it pretty well, that, that they deserve that. And the Holy Spirit then started convicting me about that, that he had not called me to hold offense and unforgiveness towards somebody that I needed to forgive. And what I saw, he gave me this image that I was, it was like blocks and barriers and a pathway for them to receive God's love. And so I, I turned from that, I, and I forgave that person. And I felt like in the spiritual, it opened up the pathway for me to be able to love them and for the love of God to flow through them. So, so just follow me. This is, what I, this is what I learned in this, is that I, in my offense and unforgiveness, I was actually blocking the kingdom of God from reaching that person. Because love is what the kingdom of God, the number one thing of the kingdom of God, love is what I was withholding from this person because they had hurt me. So I was withholding the kingdom of God from them. Come on, get your head around that. So when you're hurt and when you're offended and you're like, I'm gonna just gonna block that love. I'm, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve God's love. I'm not gonna let that flow to them. You're actually blocking the kingdom of God from reaching their life. And the kingdom of God is what they need in order to change. The kingdom of God is what they need in order to be saved. The kingdom of God is what they need in order to be free and healed and to walk in their purpose and their destiny that God has given them. And I just don't want to be the person that's blocking the kingdom of God from reaching them. Amen? Amen. Man, that's heavy, Pastor. That's a, that's a heavy. It, it is when you think of it that way. But man, I, I'm so thankful that he showed me so I don't walk in that. See, John is urging his, his readers to get past just saying it, but to start showing it. And he describes what it looks like in 1 John 4, 7, and he describes it by showing us what Jesus did. 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from where? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For, let's say this together, for God is love, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. And then he continues in verse 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. 
And here it is again. Let's say it together. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God and our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, but perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we're not fully experienced in his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So good. If you're ever struggling, wondering if God really loves you, or you're not experiencing or feeling it, I encourage you to go to 1 John chapter 4 and reaffirm yourself of God's great love for you. And the evidence is the cross of what he did for us on the cross. Now, I've, I've thought about this before of, you know, Barb was joking around about saying, you're giving your testimony in five minutes. And I play these scenarios in my head sometimes. And one of the scenarios is if I just had one minute to be able to share with someone before they left this earth and entered into eternity, what would I say to them? If I just had one minute, they're about ready to, to, to go on the other side, so to speak, what would I say to them? Well, here it is. This is what I'd say to them. You guys ready? God is love. His love is greater than your past mistakes and your pain in your life. God is greater than the pain that's been inflicted on you. God's love is greater than the pain that you've inflicted on other people. God's love is greater and he loves you so much. And if you'll surrender your life to him and turn to him right now and receive that perfect love, he will accept you into his kingdom to be part of his glory and his kingdom forever. Amen. Was that less than a minute? Come on. I think I'd have some time to put some ums and ahs in there too, you know, and, and talk to them about, you know, what their favorite golf game was or what, whatever it was. But, man, I, that's, I, that's the message. It's the message of the Bible. It's the message of the kingdom of God, church. God is love. He loves us so much, and he so desperately wants us to receive that love and to accept that and to turn from the way that we're living and turn to him. He so longs for that. If you read, read the Bible, when you read the Bible, think of it through that lens. It's that simple. I think that probably only took me about 30 seconds to actually say. Here's what I want you to know here today, church. This is very important stuff. And the first one is God loves you perfectly. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you perfectly. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're my second option, but I think God loves you too perfectly. And then tell them, I really think that you needed this message here today. I'm glad you're at church. All right, here we go. No one else can be your source of love. No one. No person can take that place. That's why God says, I'm, I'm love. I'm love. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can love like he loves. And God's love never runs out. My love runs out. You better believe that. My love always runs out on the interstate. Always. My patience runs out. My kindness runs out. I'm always like, man, if there's somebody at the church driving next to me on the road, they're going to be like, man, that Pastor Kevin, he is not living what he's preaching. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I uh, one time, uh, we were going up this hill, and there's, you know, the passing lane. And it was probably for like a couple miles. Well, this group of motorcyclists, they took up both lanes, and they're going like 40 miles an hour. And no joke, I honked my horn at them the entire way up the hill. I was like, Arr, Arr. and my wife is like, settle down. You're going to lose yourself salvation. I'm like, it's already gone. <laughs> yeah, it, 
I, I run out of love. Anybody relate to that? You run out of forgiveness. You run out of patience. And so if someone's going to depend upon me as their source for love, they're going to be disappointed every time. And this is why I'm all about pointing people to Jesus. The one with unending love. His love never runs out. It's perfect. And that's what's so beautiful about that. A lot of people have gotten hurt by the church because they thought that the church was the endless source of love. And I wish it was the case. I really do. But it's just not. Jesus is. Jesus is that source of never-ending love. Here's the second one. God loves you powerfully and permanently. God's love is so powerful. And what makes it so powerful and so permanent has nothing to do with your performance, has nothing to do with your record of wins and losses, has nothing to do with how well you think your scorecard of life is. It doesn't matter. He just loves you. It's permanent. It's powerful. And he wants to be able to have you experience that powerful love. And I know that even my love runs out in this area too, that I, I can get upset with someone. And, and I, like I described where you cut off love and it, it's, not, it, it's not a godly thing, but his doesn't, his, his isn't like that. It's permanent. It's powerful. It's never ending. And so many times I've heard people talk about how they just are so much, under so much guilt and shame. Oh, I've disappointed God. Or I've, I've failed God. So what? He still loves you so much. He still believes in you. He still has a plan for you. He still wants to use that thing for good and for his glory. See, what I'm sharing with you here is so important because without knowing this, without understanding God's great love for you, you can't love others because it just runs out. You don't have enough. And we need God's love to be able to do that. John has this heart for the listener that they would experience God's great love and then they'd be able to show that great love to others. And as I was preparing this message, I was just like, how do I, how do I communicate this? How, how do I make sure people understand this? How do we experience this? Because it, I want it to be more than just words, church. I want, I want it to be more than just hearing a message. I want you to experience what I'm saying because it'll transform your life. And when it transforms your life, you'll be an agent to transform other people's lives because the love will flow through you and you will be a kingdom changer because they'll experience the kingdom of God through you. And here's how his love wants to flow through us. Here's some, I'm going to give you some really practical things here um, in, in closing. And here's the first one is that love sacrifices. Love sacrifices. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Love sacrifices, that's what it does. So in your relationships, are you more focused on what you want or are you focused on what other people need? Do you listen to others and just let them share? I, was, I had this really funny premarital counseling appointment this week and um, the husband, this is so stereotypical, the husband didn't understand that when, or he's not the husband yet, but the fiance didn't understand that when his, um, when his spouse was talking that she just wanted him to listen to her. And he always was trying to fix it. And she's like, just stop trying to fix it. I just want you to listen. He's like, so you, you, don't, you don't want me to do anything? And she's like, yes. And I am just laughing, busting a gut, because Krista and I went through the same thing, where she was like wanting to just tell me, and she wanted me just to listen. I was like, you know what you need to do? You need to go in there and do this, this, and this. And she's like, Kevin, be quiet. I just want to, just listen to me. And I was like, just do nothing, but just listen? Like, you don't want me to fix it? I'm really good at fixing stuff. 
She's like, no, just listen. I mean, it was, it was a life lesson that I learned. So thank you, honey, for giving me that life lesson. But love sacrifices where even though you may have a lot of things going on in your life, that you're willing to listen to somebody that has a lot of things going on in their life too. And you're willing to set your stuff aside and sacrificially be able to listen to what's going on with them. Also, that sacrifice of easing someone's burden. This is what Jesus did for us. He eased our burden. And this is what we can do for other people. We can ease their burden financially, be sacrificially give, givers. That's why we talk about that, be sacrificial givers, not for us or the church, but for others, so that other people can experience God's love through your giving, where you're able to pay their utility bill or their mortgage, or do something to show the tangible love of God, where we just don't say it, but we really live it and do that. Or maybe it's a family that has... A, 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 uh, can't get away, the couple needs some time and they got kids, you can do some free childcare for them, you know, especially a family of like four, where their kids are like six, four, two, and five months, you know, somewhere in there, you know, if their names are Lily, Land, and Chloe, and Stella, you know, right in there, if there's, you know, where you could really ease a burden for them and just watch that, that couple's kid, if you run across a couple that have those names of that, <laughs> I'm just completely joking, you know, but not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it's an act of service where you have a skill set that you can be able to bless someone with, fixing their car, helping them move, or, uh, or, or maybe doing something around their house. And I'm, I'm, when it comes to these skill sets, the only thing that I really have is a strong back. And so I, I can help move. But other than that, man, I'm going to cause more damage to your car if you ever let me go near it. And I mean, for me, if it says check the engine, I pop the hood, check the engine. It looks fine to me. Close her back down. We'll keep driving, you know. I checked it. That light won't, the light won't go off. Here's the second one. Love forgives. Love forgives. Here's a tangible way that we show the love of God is that when we forgive people that have wronged us, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. Why? To take away our sins. To forgive us. To forgive us. Here's what the Apostle Peter said, and I just love this because John, Peter, and Paul all said the same thing. Paul, or Peter said this, most importantly of all, continue to show, there it is again, that same word, show. Most importantly, so we've been talking about this, most importantly, show. Show deep love for each other. How? By letting love cover a multitude of sin. By forgiving. We forgive from an understanding of how much God has forgiven us. See, I know that I'm loving well, church. When someone would, will come to me and say, do you know about so-and-so, and they did it, they did this, and their character did it, and then I go, hmm, you know, I, I think you're right, but I guess I never just paid attention to that. I know that that love inside of me is covering that multitude of sin. I know that the love of God is, is not operating well in me when they come in and they go, do you know that so-and-so, da 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 And I'm like, yeah, and they did da 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 They're a terrible person. You know, like when I, when I join in, I just know that my love is not being complete through Christ and, and that I'm not in a good place and that I need to return to the love of God. Some of you guys can relate to that here this morning, can't you? Here's the next one. Love is expressive. Love is expressive. This is why I love the book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Because for a lot of us, we just don't know how to love. 
And so this book lays out the, the five different ways that people receive love. And so it's physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. Yeah, I got it down. And I said it in the order that I receive love, ironically. And that's what people do when they go through the five love languages. It's like they go through their order. See, this, this helps us understand how to show the love of God. How to show the love of God. It's so powerful, and it, it was so powerful to learn this early on in my marriage. I was just speaking the wrong language all the time. I was like, why, why, why don't you want all the words and affirmation, physical touch? And then I'm like, oh, that's just me. She wants gifts. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Hey, we got to do a different budget line item for this one, Kristen. <laughs> Find out why people re- how people receive love and express it in that way. First John 4.12 says, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Church, God's love is expressive. Isn't that cool? He's not, he's not like, hey, I told you once that I loved you, and so I'm done, you know? No, 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 he, his love's expressive. He wants us to be able to really uh, feel that love. And so here's some, here's some ways through that five love language, and what I see God does for us, and that is say it. Here's a practical thing. Say it. Say, I love you. If you're married here this morning, turn to your spouse and say, I love you. I mean, if you're like, well, I like, I like my friend too. You can say it to your friend. Say, I love you. I love you. It's the three most powerful words in the world. And we need that. We need that affirmation that, we, that we're truly loved. We need to hear that. Here's another one is to give a hug. Put, a, put an armor on someone. Be able to let them know that you care and that you're there. Spend time with them and listen to them. Give a, give a gift to them and let them know that you are thinking of them. You know, write a note to them. How many of you guys uh, were engaged in dating before all the technology and phones and emails and everything else? Raise your hand here this morning. Oh, yeah, look at that. Joe, you are not liar. <laughs> I just didn't have one. I didn't have any money for that. Uh, uh, keep your hands up. How many of you guys wrote cards to them, like actual letters, postcards? Okay, keep your hand up if you kept the cards. You kept those note cards. Yes! Nope, just a few few hands went down. No, 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 we threw those away. That was embarrassing. Isn't it fun when you pull those note cards out and you read them when you are expressing your love and writing to them, of letting them know how much they meant to you and that that they were one day going to be your spouse, whether they liked it or not, you know? Like, that's when they ran. I wrote those letters, but I'm not with that person anymore. They hightailed it out of there. (laughs) Finally here this morning, love sacrifices, love forgives, love expresses, and love genuinely, genuinely puts others first. It genuinely puts others first. 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Kevin, this is, this is great. But what about me? What about making sure that I'm, I'm good and, and I'm healthy and I, I got all, all that I need first before I, I pour out like you're talking about? And it's really a paradox principle what God describes because it's against our natural thing. Our natural thing is I need to accumulate enough money before I give. I need to be able to take care of me first before I give. And it's that thinking, but God actually, in his kingdom, it's the exact opposite. Listen to this, Matthew six thirty three. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And we just learned today that the number one thing in God's kingdom is love. So seek love above all else and live righteously. Live out this love. And, and he will give you everything 
you need. Isn't that good? Love people. Think about others. And God says, I promise you that I'll take care of you too. I promise you that I'll give you everything that you need. I heard a pastor say this, and I really like it. And I, I don't remember where I, where I got it, but I want to just close with this quote here this morning. If you try to build intimacy with another person before you have done the work of getting whole on your own, in other words, letting God's love perfect you, all your relationships become are an attempt to complete yourself. I want you to, I want you to hear that just in case you got distracted there. If we try to use other people to fill that void of love in our lives, we're going to be disappointed. See, God has called us to be able to be filled with his love to the full. And that way we're not looking for another person to complete us.